What's kicking chickens? Welcome back to Can We Fix It? I'm your host, Maura Walsh, joined as always by my lovely and talented co-host, Jennifer the Vulpinator Douglas. How you doing, friend? I'm doing great. It's been a really good weekend. How are you? Oh, I'm living the dream, dude. Like we're I've only got I want to say like one week left of work before I'm out for the summer. And so my social life has been fucking popping off. Um, oh, how good does that feel? It really does. Summer vacation. It really does. But also like you and I are kind of in the same boat today, wherein um, we forgot that we're not 21 anymore. So like yeah. you, you were drinking champers last night. I was drinking sangria and uh, I woke up this morning and uh, it feels like something crawled inside my brain and died there. Uh, yeah, I, I'm not feeling uh, my best today. I, I'm. <sighs> I am here and I am working my butt off to bring you a really good podcast, everyone. But uh, yeah, I'm I'm not at my best. I got to be honest, though. Here's the thing that's like deeply tragic for me is that I specifically made myself white sangria because I'm now at an age where red wine gives me heartburn. So I'm apparently 400 years old. Uh, (laughs) 19-year-old Mora would be so disappointed in my behavior. I did the same thing last night. By the end of the evening, I just kept saying, oh, my goodness, I have such terrible heartburn. <laughs> I, felt like, I was like, when did I turn into my father? It really, <laughs> literally, it's so fucking, oh, it's so sad. Um, so we're recording the episode a little late this week. Uh, I would care, except you get what you get and you don't get upset. Um But the reason is Jen and I had to attend a fundraiser on the night that we would normally record. Um, What what district was it, the lady whose fundraiser we were at on Wednesday? Oh, that was mine. Oh, yeah. 34. Oh, that's it. Yeah. So uh, we're going to do something interesting today in that uh, we're going to do a back to the races with our very own Jennifer the Vulpinator Douglas. Um, oh, this is a sneak attack. I was not expecting this, Mora. Go bigger, go home, baby. Well, I feel like <laughs> I have you in a great vulnerable place, so you're more likely to accidentally be honest. Uh, so, <laughs> How strange for a politician. I know, I know. What a weird and interesting turn of events. Um, so first and foremost, uh, this is not your first rodeo. Uh, this is going to be the third time that you're running in uh, D34, yeah? Yeah, apparently I'm really bad at rodeos. So <laughs> I'm going in it for a third time. I don't even think you're bad at rodeos. I just think that in your neighborhood, the odds of like a normal human being, no offense to your neighbors, uh, campaigning there successfully is pretty slim to none like how long has elaine morgan been the senator there i think this is going on like 10 years now it's been a really long time right and she is objectively batshit crazy and so if your neighbors are the kind of people that willingly on purpose elect a lunatic year after year after year what fucking hope do you have boo Yeah, not a lot, but I try to give the reasonable people a choice. So, you know, we're going with it. And I got to say, because props to my girl, um, every year you get way more votes than you are supposed to in a neighborhood as red as yours. Um, Let me tell you, I don't do too badly. I know. Didn't you get like 30 
forty percent of the vote or something last time. It was like thirty like forty six forty. Oh shit! Yeah, exactly. So like, there are actual yeah. reasonable people out there. They're just outnumbered by the weird assholes waving Confederate flags. I don't even know if it's so much of that. It's just the people that are like they don't understand. If you don't pay attention to how back shit crazy some people are, you don't know. You'll vote along party lines. But mm. I mean, she tells everybody that Pepsi has aborted fetuses in it. I mean, <laughs> how how can you take someone like that seriously when your legislator is sending out emails to constituents talking about the fact that there's aborted fetuses in Pepsi? You know, I got to say one thing that I do love about the like extreme uh pro-lifers is that at the very least they are very creative with their conspiracy theories like i remember being at the state house for a pro-choice day and there was a woman who had a sign it was like a giant pink lamborghini and at the top it had the cost of the lamborghini and then on the back side mm-hmm. of the poster board, it had like a really graphic and terrifying image of a quote unquote aborted fetus. And it had <laughs> the parts labeled for like how much they sold on the market for to like add up to this pink Lamborghini. And I was like, girl, you did math for this. Like you wow. did math for this. Good for you, I you guess. Did, they went further than I ever would, I guess. So right on i mean jesus christ i know i would love to be so i say all the time when i'm talking to people about conspiracy theories that like after having worked for your government i can fucking assure you that we are not competent enough to accomplish half of the shit that you guys accuse us of like when we took our class photo it we it was 75 reps it took two and a half hours to get us all in the same room at the same time looking at the camera. Kindergartners follow instructions more effectively. Like it Exactly. Your I promise you your government is not selling aborted fetal tissue. I promise your government is not like manufacturing ballots and like shipping them in from China. We are way too dumb and incompetent to ever accomplish half of the shit that is lodged at us. Um, which I don't that's think that's any more do. comforting, honestly. No, it's not. But it, they love to talk about how inept we are as as, as Democrats and, you know, as Democratic legislators are. And then yet in the same breath, they'll talk about how, you know, we're manufacturing these in, incredible schemes to take over politics in Rhode Island. Yeah, they're too. Everybody's too inept for that. No, it's not happening. The only it's thing not happening. The only thing the Democrats are like amazing at is snatching a defeat from the jaws of victory. Like that is our bread and butter. We are right. so good at our shooting brand. ourselves in the foot. Just we are fucking. We're good at fucking things up. We're not good at like creating change. Get your head out of your ass. Um, yeah, exactly. It's just not happening. So let's. Let's start with our standard uh, can we fix it question. Why are you running as a Democrat when the Democrats um, are fairly conservative in our state and also don't give a fuck about you? So, like, what's your. Uh, Oh, that would be spite. Spite. Ooh. Spite is a powerful motivator, baby. Yeah, it's not bad. It's a good motivator. No, you know what? Because fuck, fuck, fuck it. 
I, I am a Democrat. I've been a Democrat my entire life. I support the national Democratic platform, which, you know, wants people to have a good quality of life and clean air. And we support abortion and not having people get shot in their schools and lowering taxes for normal, you know, middle-class working families and not the 1%. And just because other people in my party can't do it does not mean that I need to limit myself from doing it. So Mm. I run as a Democrat so people can know that you can have good Democrats who do good Democrat things and uh, fuck the ones that don't. Yeah, that's a that's a solid answer. Um, now logistically, this is is this your this is the first year where you're running as part of the co-op. I did last year too. Okay, last, uh, so you've had the experience years. of having the quote support of the Democratic parties because let us not forget that you were running against a Republican. So theoretically, the Democrats should be all over that, and now having the support of the co-op. Which has been more meaningful or helpful to your race and why? Oh, boy. Gee, so many (laughs) answers I could give here. Uh, Obviously, the co-op has been more helpful. Uh, Two anecdotes. One was when I was first running for office in 2018, I met with the Senate president and talked to him about my campaign. And he offered whatever help that the party usually gives. That help is in heavy quotation marks, friends. Help is in big quotation marks because when I sat down for the meeting, he asked me what my priorities were. And one of them was um, tightening up some of the loopholes on gun legislation and making things a little safer for people in communities. Mind you, this was six years ago. And the Senate president turned to me and said, well, we have the strongest gun laws in the entire country. And I really don't think you need to concentrate on that. And Hey, I did a lot of work for gun laws. I was willing to take a hit. And now I have an A minus rating with the NRA instead of an A. Oh, poor baby. Wow. That's really sad for you. Um, And then he promised me a little bit of cash for a mailer that never materialized. So, yeah, that was really helpful. Um, Yeah. And then when I ran again in 2020, I was told that I was the endorsed candidate for to be on the ballot. And then when the ballot came out, I didn't have the asterisk next to my name as an endorsed candidate. So, yeah, that just and then, you know, there was no offer of any help uh, then. And then now in 2022, uh, you know, with the co-op, I have help with training and volunteers and a campaign manager and um, somebody who calls me and says, hey, do you need lit? Do we need to make some? And if I say yes, it just gets done. And uh, it's really nice to have that kind of support. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, so when I first ran there, I, I say this all the time, but there was no apparatus for unseating uh, incumbents. And, you know, as much as right. he turned out to be a scumbag, Lofton Longo was my campaign manager. And he was the campaign manager for like five or six different uh, Democratic candidates because there were no people who knew how to run campaigns aside from right. the insiders. And it's very easy to, you know, 
not notice incremental change, right? But it is, it blows my mind, you know, whether you you support the co-op or not, whether you support all the candidates or not, they have changed the game in terms of activists and door knockers and turnout and training people to do field work and campaign uh, uh, management in a way that the Democratic Party never fucking cared to. Yep. I think the Democratic Party's trying to hop on that train now, but I wouldn't know if they're really making any headway in it. But I know for a fact that, you know, through U- Renew U.S. did this entire campaign manager training cohort that all of these people went to and they found to be really, really helpful. And now these people are going out and they're being campaign managers for our, our campaigns and they know what they are doing. They are organized. They are smart. They are young and energetic. And it's, it's really great to see. It really and is. there's a lot of them. And like, I mean, as a lot of you know, when I lost my last election, I took a year off from activism, from politics, from, I mean, we still ran the pod, obviously, but like, I didn't attend fundraisers. I didn't go to people's shindigs. I didn't play that game. And a lot of it was because I was so fucking bitter um, at how quickly things were changing. Um, And... Basically, it was just like the the day that I knew that I needed to take a break was when we raised minimum wage higher than we've ever raised it before in a one time uh, uh, bill. And I was pissed. Um, and yeah. I wasn't pissed because minimum wage got raised. I was pissed because I was like, oh, so you guys could have done this the whole fucking time. You just chose not to. Cool, 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 cool. And I realized yeah. that, like, if I was getting mad about victories, I probably needed to take a step back. <laughs> like, no, it's true though. I mean, that really actually makes really very good sense. There's all this stuff that we have proved now this last session that could have been done for so fucking long, and nobody cared enough. And you know, still nobody cares enough. They're just doing it because we're screaming really loudly that we need these changes. Yes, absolutely. So, but this brings me to my question of, um, in recent weeks, we have learned that a lot of our favorite incredible legislators are stepping down and not seeking re-election. So people like um, Rep. Liana Kassar, who has been an incredible advocate um, for everything from preventing gun violence to um, initiatives to take on the epidemic of homelessness in Rhode Island. Um, And um, I don't don't think this was a secret, so uh, apologies if I'm divulging it on the air, Liana. But basically what she said is, as a regular person, it is very hard to balance this job. Um, One of the things that, you know, was really mind-blowing for me Um, is that they, you know, the reason you have a part-time legislature is because all of these people have jobs outside of being a representative. Um, You would think then, knowing that all of these people have jobs outside of being a representative, that you would then make the scheduling conducive to people having jobs outside of being a representative. And I think that the most telling thing was um, at the last Democratic caucus, Representative Brianna Henry's could not make it to the caucus because they announced the caucus like 20 hours before it happened. And she came out and was like, 
Right. Like I'm a regular person with a regular job. Like I'm a manager. I can't call out in 20 hours. That's not a fucking thing. You know what I mean? And like do that as a normal person with a normal job, you can't just ditch out on your job because on the whims of the legislature. Right. And so like Liana said something very similar and that like, you know, they looked at everybody when they were doing the budget and they said, you know, keep Friday open because we may need to come back. And it's like, Cool. Well, like, I can't tell a client or a customer or a boss, like, I may or may not be in on Friday because the state house doesn't understand what a real job is. Like, and I know that I personally, when I was working at um, Split Apart Secondhand, I was the only person in the building, right? So, like, I would open up the, the shop and I would close down the shop. And when we were doing the budget, I had to literally call my boss and be like, Hey, I'm really sorry, but we can't be open today because apparently we didn't do enough shit yesterday. And now I have to go back in on a Saturday. And luckily, Sonia was like low key, one of the best bosses I've ever had and was basically just like, dude, it's the state budget. Obviously, obviously go handle the budget and then come in whenever you come in. But like that only happens when you have an understanding boss who cares about her employees. You know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. and then we had Marcia announced last week that she also was not going to be seeking re-election. And um, so for me, I noticed that good people have a, like a, a threshold for the amount of bullshit that they can put up with. And yeah. my question is, how are you going to maintain your sanity and your dignity and you know, still be a good person, you know, if you make it up there, like what, what strategies do you have to not let this shit eat away at your soul day by day? I think a lot of it is having, you know, running with the co-op and knowing a lot of other really good candidates outside of the co-op, you have to hold on to that hope that there's going to be more good up there than evil. And hopefully we can work a little bit harder to pass things that are helpful and maybe maintain that hope and motivation and not just get constantly dragged down by the bullshit constantly. I don't know. You know, I um, it's, it's literally going in there blind. I can't say exactly how I'm going to feel once I get in there, but I'm really, really hopeful that it's going to be less bullshit and more work, more honest work, making things better. That is the only way I can see fit going in there and and trying to make change. Word. And um, this is a very niche question, but it's a it's a conversation that you and I have had before. How do you feel about budget surpluses? Oh, Jesus fucking Christ. I hate the budget surpluses. The 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 whole point of having money is to spend it on things that are important. That's the reason why we take tax money from people so you can put it towards programs and individuals and important things. And that is one of the things that that I'm actually really enraged at right now is the fact that we have so much money. So we have money coming out of our ears right now in the state government. And we still can't pass Marcia's bill trying to feed kids school Mm. lunch and school breakfast. Like, how messed up is that, that we have all of this money? She's been putting this bill in for years to feed children. Like, 
I don't see why this is something that is so out of left field and wild for people that they can't say, yes, we should feed kids. We obligate kids to be in school every day, eight hours a day, but we can't give them lunch. Sorry. Mm. See, how, it, it's true. How do you survive in that atmosphere when you're trying to do just one good thing? And every year they're like, yeah, no, not that though. Kids, um, it, we're talking about children. It literally ages you. Like I was looking back at some old photos and I saw a picture from one of my last years there and Jesus Christ, I look a hundred years old. I swear to God, <laughs> I look, you could just see on my face, like every bill that failed, every horrible bill that passed. It was like, I was giving myself fucking, keeper. oh my God, I literally was like, I have aged backwards since leaving the state house. I look 16 again. This shit is dope. Um, I also feel like I am probably the worst person to talk to when it comes to running for office because I am the devil on your shoulder being like, don't do it. It's not it's worth the, the dental runaway. You're going to hate it. Like, well, it's not even just that. It's just that like when you are a good person with a moral compass and a soul, it's really hard to not internalize that stuff, right? How do you watch a bill that would end chronic homelessness fail and just go home and climb into your comfy bed and be like, but I'm not homeless. Good night. <clears throat> like I would just yep. go home and cry. I would go home and cry because yes. I felt like I had failed hundreds of thousands of Rhode Islanders whose lives were now going to be much more difficult because I couldn't convince my colleagues that $500,000 was, you know, not too much money to spend on people who were sleeping outside in sub-zero temperatures. Like, that's sure. a heavy lift. Um, it is. But I think one of the things, like, you asked, how am I going to go up there and not get my soul sucked out? Um one of the things is knowing that you're going there and you're going there for good. You have to just keep that in your mind, no matter what happens around you, no matter what chaos is going on there, as long as you remain like this moral center of, of the body that you're in and you keep advocating for the good things and you keep normalizing the good things, the more you do that, the more it's going to have to change at some point. It has to. So even if you feel like you're not getting anywhere by constantly, constantly saying, no, we're not going to do this. We're going to do that. This is better. Then maybe, maybe you can save yourself and at least just know you're doing the right thing. Amen. That sounds amazing. Um, <clears throat> there's, there's a lot of, you know, weird unspoken rules up there. Um, if you could create one rule or norm among politicians specifically at the state house, what would it be? Ooh, I, I don't know. Okay. So let me give you mine. That way you have like a, like a gauge on what I'm, what I'm kind of talking about. And, uh, All right. and then, and then that way it gives you more time to think because I literally did not run any of these questions by you. I'm just throwing them at your hungover face. Like you got yeah, you this. Are. this <laughs> is not okay. So um, for me, I think that there should be uh, a limit on the amount of bills that you can put in personally so that you are looking for quality, not quantity. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a lot of people um, 
earn bonus points for like, oh my God, look how many bills this person drafted. But 90% of them are fucking hot garbage. Um, Right. And I think that if, and it also, you know, creates this environment where you vote on 90 bills in a fucking afternoon. And it's like, there's no way that you understood all of those in depth. I think if we put a limit on the amount of bills that people were allowed to draft, people would be more discerning with the bills that they chose and would work harder to pass those bills as opposed to just kind of chucking up a hundred of them at you and hoping that one of them sticks. Yeah. I agree. And in the same vein, like with my answer, I think you should have to have, you know, 75% of your bills have to go to the public good. You know, you have to have good bills that benefit actual people, a majority of people. And you get one frivolous bill, like you can keep your parrot at Burlingame Park (laughs) or, you know, something stupid like you, you, Oh, what are those things called? Outhouses. Justin Price with his outhouse bill. Like, you get one. You You get get one one weird bill bill. and the rest of them have to be normal. (laughs) Exactly. You get one weird bill. End of story. Make it as weird as you want. I don't care. I like that. Have one frivolous day. But the rest of your bills have to benefit the public. I like that. And not enough of them do that. Follow-up question. Um, what bill would you put in just to make people itchy? Like, I remember when we were on health education and welfare, uh, committee and there were only like three women on the committee. And what usually happens in a committee is that they put like bills with like bills. So like, for example, I had a bill in that was, um, mandating that tampon companies disclose the ingredients in their tampons. Um, So then that went in with, um, I think Susan Donovan put in a bill that said that you should be allowed to take Midol at school because when we did the no drugs in school thing, it counted like over the counter things. And it ended up being like this entire afternoon of what I lovingly refer to as vagina bills. And the faces on the men in that committee, just like white knuckling it through like four (laughs) hours of vagina testimony none of them asked a single fucking question they were just sitting there like please god let this be over when is this over dear god let this be over and at the end me and the other women legislators were like dude we have to do this every year that was the most fun i have ever had did you see how uncomfortable they were (laughs) like so what bills like that so what bill would you put in like just to watch them squirm? Ooh, I'm trying to think what else do white men hate? Oh man. I don't know. You, you got like the whole, you took care of the vaginas. You took care of all the below the belt stuff. So I'm not entirely sure. Oh my God. Just do like a hundred breastfeeding bills. Right. That was, that was something that I was thinking, but don't we already have bills like that you have to have a good place to breastfeed in, in the workplace. Do we have that now? Protections on breastfeeding in the workplace. See, I'm an asshole. Okay. So I remember when that bill came out, I don't remember if it passed. And the only reason that I remember when it came out was because the top four sponsors were women. And I think specifically mothers and the fifth sponsor was Aaron fucking Regenberg. And I was like, Jesus Christ, Aaron, can we not have one thing? Can we not have one thing without your stupid fucking name on it? Come on, bro. 
Um, and this so was like before he was married. I know it was before he was married. It was before he had a kid. And I was just like, Oh my God, we get it. You're an ally. Can you be in the bottom 10? Like, come on, man. <laughs> I do think like every lactating woman or like person that gives birth and has to go back to work, to get a free breast pump because those things are fucking expensive as shit. Oof. Yeah, they are. And if we're expecting people to go back to work after six weeks and still like feed their kids, uh, and we're going to push breastfeeding the way we apparently are now. You know, I think they should all get a free breast pump. And I think they should get a fucking suite to pump in, too, during work. It's not, not even like just that, like, bathroom. We're, we're forcing women to breastfeed. It's basically just, like, either feed them the boob or they're going to starve. Like, there's no formula anywhere. Good luck yeah. with that. We Jesus. we got nothing. Yeah, there's there's no. And, and you can't bring your baby to work and you have to go back to work. So... Mm. Good luck, I guess. See, now I will say I am one of those psychopaths. I went back to work after four weeks and it was literally just because I was so fucking bored. I had never been unemployed that long in my life. I made friends with every homeless person on my street just because I needed an adult to talk to. Like, I couldn't take sitting at home for one more minute. But I know that, like, normal women want to, like, actually spend time with their babies and shit like that. I was just, like, I was going fucking insane. I'm a social butterfly, and being at home did not work for me. So now let's get into the fun section, okay? So we're going to play a round of Dictator of America. America. Wow, I'm giving you a promotion already. (laughs) Dictator of Rhode Island. Um, But we're going to narrow it down to three categories, okay? So if you were the Dictator of Rhode Island, what would you do um, to solve the current housing crisis? Now, reminder that the rules are you don't have to vote on it. You don't have to convince anybody. All you uh, have to do is stick within the margins of the state budget. Um, But what you say goes. So dictator of Rhode Island, how are you going to solve the housing crisis right now? Uh, Just going to build the goddamn houses, Maura, which we actually have the ability to do. Um, I don't I don't see why. Housing. I, I understand why housing is a crisis right now. What I don't understand is why people will not step up to do something about it. Build the housing, build affordable housing, build low-income housing, build housing everywhere in every community. I am so tired. I would eliminate the fact. Let me get my thoughts together because I'm rambling here because I get very revved up about this. No, I love it. Take, for instance, in, in my district. We don't meet the threshold for affordable housing or low-income housing ever. What do you need? Like 10% of your housing has to be affordable? I think so, yeah. All I know is that we are so far below that, it's as if we don't even have affordable housing in my community. And I really, and there's there's no way to enforce it. Nobody cares. Like, literally, nobody cares. Well, and we one of the things... forcible... What's that? I was going to say, one of the things that we regularly do in Rhode Island is that rather than build more affordable housing, we change the definition of affordable, which blows right. my mind. That's not how the fuck that works. Or we'll be like, yeah. oh, we already have affordable housing. Look at these trailer parks. It's like, that. you know that's not what we meant. Exactly. Like, you know, that's not what we wanted. We want 
good, well-built homes that are energy efficient and self-sustaining and are run by, you know, have solar panels on them and they're, they're, you know, really well insulated and they're safe and they're healthy. And yeah, no, that's what we want. We, we don't want $300,000 fake affordable homes mm. that are, that are built in these communities that still have a half acre lot. It, it's ridiculous. So we really have to modify what we agree is affordable housing and then just actually build it. Word. All right. Second dictator of America question. How are you as dictator? God damn it. Of Rhode Island, Maura, get it together. Um, so if you were the dictator of Rhode Island, how would you solve police brutality? Oof. Can, am I allowed to repeal Leopold? Oh, hell yeah. You're the dictator. Oh, yeah. Well, okay. So we're repealing Leobor for one. Um, I'm sorry. You brutalize somebody, especially if we have it on video and we see what you are doing, like we do with many, many videos of police brutality. Um, you should just lose your job. You, if, I, if I beat up someone at work, there would be no... <laughs> suspended with pay there would be no desk duty it would be an immediate reactive you no longer work here jennifer you need to go home and you may be facing criminal charges the fact that we have this entire system that is allowed to just abuse people at will and then be like yo my bad i'm just gonna ride the desk for a few weeks until you find the innocent is utterly and completely mind-blowing to me. So we can repeal Leobor, we can make police officers carry their own liability insurance, and we can make them available to sue should they harm someone to the point where they want to seek legal compensation. Uh, you know what? I... In order to benefit themselves. <clears throat> I do love that you put it in terms of a regular job because like it literally is the only career where you could beat the shit out of somebody and they'll be like, wait, 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 listen, maybe he didn't mean it. He's like, um, that would never work in like, I work at a school that would never work in a school setting. What the fuck? Like you yeah. can't just walk around beating the shit out of the people that you're charged with protecting and serving and then be like, my bad. I thought the burrito in his hand was a weapon. Yeah, not going to lie, working in the medical field, you know the kind of abuse you see from patients sometimes. Patients are verbally abusive. Patients can be physically abusive. We're not allowed to touch them. You know, you just have to stand there and take it. You can restrain them sometimes if you absolutely have to for their own safety. But nobody is beating patients. Nobody you know, snaps off and beats up a patient because they're verbally abusing them, that, that's not acceptable. And it shouldn't be acceptable in any other job. Oh, amazing. And then final dictator question is, um, you know, pretend there's a clause in the Rhode Island Constitution that says at the end of the fiscal year, you have to be at uh, zero. Like you cannot have a budget surplus. Um, what ah. is the first, you know, what are the first things you're going to do with that leftover money? Oh, there's a lot though. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of fucking money. So who gives a things? shit? 
Yeah, there's a lot of fucking money. I want all of our roads paved. I want our schools to be renovated. I want kids to be able to eat all year long. Um, you know, there's just some money we can throw at some problems there. Mm. I love that. Honestly, I mean, yeah. we've had the conversation before that, like, now that I make a livable wage, um, it is infuriating to me how much easier my life is. And like yeah. how much cheaper it is to have money than it is to be poor. Um, and that really pissed me off because I was like, wait a minute. So like, you mean that all I needed this whole time was enough money to like feed my child and pay my bills? Like y'all could have been giving me the money. Like the fuck? Um, yeah. So everybody oh, in the state could get a stipend. Literally, like a lot of these problems just require dollar, dollar bills, y'all. Like, I don't know what to tell them. Yeah. <clears throat> Like, you'd be surprised how much money solves a lot of issues. You know, you if you have enough money to live on, you're happier, healthier, and safer. Safer. <laughs> safer. Safer. But, and then, like, in turn, guess what? Your community becomes happier, healthier, and safer. Mm. Because when people's needs are met, you have a lot less issues in your communities. And I don't understand why nobody seems to get that connection. Right. Like there's a reason that there's less crime in wealthier neighborhoods. It's not because rich people don't fucking like cause problems. It's because when you know where your next meal is coming from, you don't feel obligated to steal from the person beside you. Like it's common sense shit. And yet we act like, oh, if only we knew how to solve the crime in poverty areas. Give them money, motherfucker. Solved your problem right there. Exactly. Make sure they have health insurance. Make mm. sure that they can eat. Make sure that they have, oh, I don't know, things to do after school that's enriching and exciting and not just leaving kids to their own devices because you don't give a shit about them and send them out into the streets hungry at four o'clock in the afternoon. I mean, come on. Seriously. I think one of the most There's- devastating statistics that I, I read recently is that 90% of school shootings happen at public schools which means you literally can pay to keep your children safe, which like, right. Well, that's gross. Yeah. Cause private school kids don't have the same kind of problems that some public school kids do because nobody invests in those kids. You know, if, if only we could put the same investment into some kids as we do with others. And it's just not there. It really isn't. Um, it, it really isn't. So, <clears throat> We uh we've we've handled dictator. Now, as I mentioned, it really is hard to maintain um, you know, a moral compass when you're up there and to to continue to be a uh, a good person. So, on the off chance that you do turn into a scumbag once elected, I want to know okay. what brand of Rhode Island scumbag you're going to be. Are you going to be like a low-level scumbag? like rubbers Ruggiero and just like straight up shoplifting. Are you going to be like a high key scumbag, like Carlos to bone and like rob money from people that don't have it? Um, are you oh, going like to be that. like uh, a Nick Mattiello scumbag who just like allegedly 
destroys evidence when shit gets spicy. Or like a Dan McKee scumbag who, as soon as you have access to the budget, just hands out billions of dollars to your friends. Like if you were going to, you know, take a hard left and turn into like an actual Rhode Island politician, what brand of douchebag would you be? All right, let's go through the list here. I I never really get into the whole shoplifting thing, so I think I would not be um, just like a petty criminal Rhode Islander. Uh, I've stolen Andy's candy once after my 21st birthday from Cumberland Farms in Narragansett. And, whoa, whoa, whoa. Uh, You're admitting that. Has the uh, has that. the statute of limitations run out on that? On an Andy's candy? So. It was like 37 <laughs> cents, I think, in a bin for an Andy's candy. And... Uh, so guilty for that. So I'm not. I'm not going to steal condoms or anything. Um, I don't understand the level of criminaling that Carlos Tavone did, like ripping people off and taking money from them, and buying and flipping the houses, and people investing in stuff that he was doing. Thankfully, I don't have that kind of like brain where that makes any sense to me at all. To so, steal from people I, who I, don't have mean, money to be. That's oh weird. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> I just, I, I'm going to pass on that one. Um, I feel like I wouldn't have enough shitty things that I've done to have to destroy evidence. So we'll take that one off the table. I, I would be, I would be the, what's his name? Stan. Donald C. Mike McGee, what is it? Dan, Dan, that's it. Dan, Dan, that's the it. forgettable that's man. It. That's it. I would actually be, I would be, a, if pressed, I would be a Dan McKee scumbag because uh, I have a lot of talented friends and I think they could all use very well-paying jobs in, in the administration. And uh, I think I'd like to hire them all. So I'm going to pass out some sweet, sweet contracts to um, some sweet, sweet connections that I have. I love it because honestly, like that's the that's the most noble of the scumbags, you know. Is like you're still you're still doing yeah. a service. And you know, I took the I took the ones too. Like, oh, you're a single mom, you need a job. Yeah, you get in here, you. You know, you're struggling, but you're smart and you're you're willing to work. You too, jump on board. There's another hundred thousand for you. <laughs> Well, yeah, it's clear that Dan doesn't care if people are qualified. That has clearly not ever been a question that he's asked of all the people that he's given jobs to. Um, exactly. No, I love like that. Avoid being investigated by the FBI, too, by the way. I mean, yeah, I'm pretty sure all you have to do to avoid being investigated by the FBI is not write a literal email that says, like, how many billions do you want? Oh, yeah, that's true. Like, I'm pretty sure that all you have to do is, like, marginally make it seem as though you tried to hire based on competence. And, like, so, like, my suggestion would be wait until your friends make the website and then give them the contract. Exactly. It's all about the timing. It is. It and literally is. we have learned is from the McGee-McKee situation I know it's so is that just wait for the website. Oh my god. And here's the thing is you could totally play it off by hiring all people that you know and just be like, dude, it's Rhode Island. I know everybody. Exactly. It's a fucking small everyone. state. I it would be harder for me to hire somebody I don't know. I mean, honestly. Oh my god, when I you love think it. Think about it. Remember when we were going through all of those lieutenant governor 
um, oh, resumes. Like, oh. We knew of literally everybody on that list. I know. Like, we didn't know them, know them, but we knew of pretty much every single person that was on there, whether through social media or through friend of a friend of a friend of a friend or through Rhode Island politics, you know. I literally, politicking. I still think about the 51st state's lieutenant governor candidate. Like, I still regularly <laughs> think about him and, like, how things would be going if he were still, if he had actually successfully become our lieutenant governor. You know, like, I still think uh, about. I know. Oh, my God. Or Tom. Oh, good old Tom. Our our oh, friend. Our friend running for governor whose wife isn't even voting for him, who has to retweet his own tweets and not because he's you know in the middle of a fever dream and is like this guy makes sense but because nobody else gives enough of a fuck to like engage with his social media that he's got to just like tweet his own shit out and then retweet it on the off chance that somebody will see it um yeah i love it so in the last couple minutes give me your elevator pitch for why you should be the next senator of district 34 as opposed to the current lunatic uh i would like to stand on my own two feet and say that you know why i'm so much better than her but i'm actually going to give you some reasons why she's so awful right now go for it is because she says that there's aborted fetuses in pepsi because she sent an email to the entire state legislature that said she wanted to put syrian refugees in internment camps jesus she stands up wearing that yellow dress like NRA Barbie every time there's a two-way vote coming down the pike and riles up that state house with the yellow shirts. And those people are dangerous and offensive to all the good people that show up there that are reasonable. She incites violence everywhere she goes against everybody in her community against everybody in this state and she is a donald trump loving right-wing nut job and i am done trying to act like this is normal Mm. nobody wants to admit that this is not normal and and her behavior is not normal and uh it's really time that we put somebody in there even if it's not me, you need someone reasonable in that position. Amen. And one of my big <clears throat> one of my big issues with the Republicans, particularly the ones on the Senate side, because I will say the House Republicans regularly um, nominate one of their own and do not vote for the current speaker. Um, mm-hmm. But one of the things that pisses me off unendingly about Senate Republicans is that they, the Republicans are like dogs chasing cars, right? And that they would not know mm-hmm. what to do if they caught it. And I feel like that's right. a lot of the reason why they end up um, voting for leadership because they don't actually want to change because then they might actually have to legislate. And that is like Wait, deeply. They might have to do something. I know. And that, like, really freaks them out, the idea that they would actually have to legislate and be, you know, accountable to their constituents, whereas as of right now, they can just be pieces of shit and blame the... you know, blame the Democratic leadership. Um, and I think that's yeah. why a lot of them continue to vote 
for the garbage leadership that's up there because it's easier than having to actually do your job as a legislator. Mm-hmm. She hasn't put out one piece of meaningful legislation and nothing that will help our communities. And I just want to make make things a little bit better for people. I, I don't understand why you would even take this job if you don't want to make people's lives better and easier and make and help people thrive. Like, why are you doing this if that is not your number one goal going in here? And from what I can tell, she has zero interest in that. I want somebody who cares. Oh, what what a delightful change of pace somebody who cares would be. What a what a nice what a nice turn of events. Um, all right. Well, we, we blew through that fucking episode. Uh, you got any, you got any plugs today? Yeah. Go to my act blue and send me a donation. You guys, if, uh, any of you would like to do that. Ooh, Um, act blue, Jennifer Douglas. It it is Douglas, right? Yep. Jen Douglas. Jen Douglas. If you just type in Jen Douglas into the search bar on act blue, I will come up district 34. Beautiful. Well, you are a kick-ass uh, candidate and, as as previously established, a kick-ass friend. And I think that your neighborhood would be fucking insanely lucky to have you representing them up there, even if it will be the worst job you've ever had. <laughs> exactly. So fucking. All right. I love you, friend. We all love, love you. you um. You know, stay safe, get boosted, uh, you know, keep washing your hands. Just because COVID is winding down doesn't mean you get to be fucking gross again. And um, Yeah, you guys are grimy. Wash up. <laughs> and, and go be a good neighbor today.